0: You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Well, hello and welcome to Grace Family Church. Hey, we're so glad you're here. Hey, Lutz Campus, help me welcome uh, all the campuses, all seven locations that we have here in the Tampa Bay area. Come on, let's put our hands together. Everyone watching online. Man, we're so glad that you are with us today. My name is Mark. I get the privilege of serving as the college and young adult pastor here at Grace, as well as one of the family ministry pastors. And let me just say this. If you're the ages of 18 to 29, I would love to have you join us on a Tuesday night, our Exchange Young Adult Gathering over at the Carrollwood campus. We would love to have you be there. Man, I think you would really, really enjoy it. But everybody say next week. Say like you mean it. Come on at all of our campuses next week. Next week, don't miss out. I know your campus pastor just mentioned it, but our senior pastor is bringing vision to our church, and I believe this is a weekend that you want to be in church. It's going to be special, and it's going to be meaningful just for you, but today, I'm excited to preach because as we get ready for 2023, I just feel like God gave me a now word for our church. I feel like God gave me a word for our church that's going to help us step into 2023 with some confidence. and. As we get ready to lean into the message, I'm going to be preaching from the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 9. I know some of you in the room, maybe in 2022, you had a goal to maybe read some of the Old Testament. Well, today we're reading a whole chapter. We're going to read a whole chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to read it on the front end, and I'm going to teach a little bit, and then we're going to jump in. It says this, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through 8. It reads like this. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba at your service? He replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Somebody say kindness. Kindness. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan, but he is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked Ziba answered. He's at the house of Mekir, son of Emil, In Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Emil. Verse 6. So when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth. Somebody say Mephibosheth. Come on, our church is speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. (laughs) So David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth, he bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Today, I want to speak to you from this idea, moving on from Lodabar. Moving on from Lodabar. Turn to your neighbor next. You say, hey, neighbor, it's time to move on. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, other neighbor, well, we better get moving. I love it. As we jump into this text, I want to focus on this place called Lodabar because here's what we know in the text. Lodabar is not only a literal place that we hear about in Scripture. Lodabar is a figurative place that many of us have been trapped in. And I believe God's calling us to break free of this place called Lodabar, but before we talk about Lodabar, we first have to understand how we get to this moment in 2 Samuel chapter nine. And we hear about this man by the name of David. David, he was just installed to be king over Israel. But it's important you understand, before David was installed as the king over Israel, there was a man by the name of Saul. Everyone say Saul. Saul. See, Saul, he was the king of Israel. And when we think about Saul, what it's it's important we understand Bible tells us that Saul was corrupt at heart. And before David was installed as king, he was serving as King Saul's right-hand man. And as David was serving as King Saul's right-hand man, the Bible tells us that Saul became jealous of David. See, scripture tells us that David, he started to increase in influence. Ladies, one day, they start singing this song. I can't sing to save my life, but I'll try it. Ladies come out into the streets and they start singing. David has slain tens of thousands, but Saul has only slain thousands the people of Israel, they loved David. They fell in love with this man. And in this moment, King Saul, he's plagued by jealousy. How many of you know comparison kills? And in this moment now, we have Saul wanting to kill this man by the name of David, and now we get to this moment right before 2 Samuel chapter nine, where we see Saul and his son, Jonathan. Jonathan was actually David's best friend. They're killed while at battle. And right after this, we see the people of Israel, they actually end up rejoicing because for them, this meant peace, because for the first time in a long time, they have a trusted leader. Now, I want you to get this, though, because it would be seen as customary for any new king that was installed to be the leader of a nation to kill everyone that was attached to the previous king. So all of the family, all of the friends, everyone that belonged to that that person, that leader, they were deemed as dead. But I just want you to understand, look at what David's response is. David says in this moment in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse three, he says, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? See, David in this moment, he's setting the table for what it looks like to live a life filled with grace. He's saying in this moment, I don't wanna hurt this person, I wanna help them. I don't wanna kill them, I want to show them kindness. David's not looking for vengeance. David is setting the scene to extend grace. And in this moment, what we learn is that this man by the name of Ziba, he was one of the servants. He responds after David asked this question. He says, There is still a son of Jonathan, but he is lame in both feet. Where is he? David asked him. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machir, son of Emil, in Lodabar. In Lodabar. I want to take a moment to speak to you about Lodabar, because like I said, Lodabar, it's not just a literal place that we read about in this text. Lodabar is a figurative place that some of us have been trapped in, and it's important you understand when we think about Lodabar, this in this day and age, it was known as the place of no existence. Nothing existed in Lodabar. Nothing good came out of Lodabar. Many people believed God would never visit this place. Have you ever been on vacation somewhere and go, this is it? Like, this is what we signed up for? (laughs) So many men in the room probably ended up in that destination, so you forfeit to your wife to plan all the vacations. It's okay, I just made that mistake. (laughs) But this was Lodabar. Like, no one ever wanted to vacation in Lodabar. No one ever wanted to visit Lodabar, but when we look at the text, we realize there's a man that's been trapped in this place. He's been trapped in this place for many years, and I would submit to you that many of us, we've been trapped in this place for many years as well. And when we study Lodobar, what we realize is there's three meanings that I believe many of us can identify with. The first meaning is this, Lodobar was known as the place of no bread. And some of us know in the room exactly what it feels like to be trapped in a place where each and every day we wake up with a void in our heart. Each and every day we wake up hungry and thirsty for some satisfaction in our soul. We wake up with this tension. We wake up with this overwhelming feeling of angst and nothing at the, day, at the end of the day Seems to give us satisfaction for our soul or gives us any peace. I just want to speak to some of the young people in the room. So many young people, when you find yourself hungry and thirsty for some peace and satisfaction, so many of us, we make the mistake. And what do we do? We start turning to people. Start turning to the wrong crowds, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And instead of focusing on God, we make a God of that person. So many of us in the room, when we're we're thirsty and we're hungry for some peace in our life, what we start doing when we go to work, we, we start treating that colleague or coworker as if they're our spouse. Not only is it people that we turn to, so many of us, we turn to places. Start living the nightlife, start going to the casino and the club and doing all of these different things, going places we know we shouldn't be. And not only is it places, but some of it is things. We start turning to alcohol, start turning to drugs, maybe start turning to pornography, all in hopes that we could find some satisfaction for our soul. This is the place of no bread. I just feel this for someone in the room. God is just saying to you, stop trying to get from the world what only you can get from God. You're not gonna find satisfaction in the things of the world. You're not gonna find peace in a paycheck. You're not gonna find it in a car. You're not gonna find it in a house. You're not gonna find it in a man or a woman. But the only person and place you can find satisfaction is the person of Jesus Christ. I love the irony in this text, though, because what we learn is Mephibosheth, he's trapped in the place of no bread. He's trapped in Lodabar, the place of no bread. But what we learn in the text is David is from Bethlehem. And Bethlehem in the Hebrew means the house of bread. Every time I think about this, I'm just reminded Jesus is also from Bethlehem. So what does this mean? The king, he is calling this man from the place of no bread. He's calling him to the house of bread, the place where he can find satisfaction for his soul. Just feel this for someone in the room today. You've been trapped in the place of no bread. Can I tell you? He is the bread of life. He is who he says he is. He's faithful. Are you trapped in Lodabar? Are you trapped in the place of no bread? But the second meaning we get from Lodabar is it was known as the pastureless place was known as the pastureless place, this place that it felt like life in reverse. Nothing was growing in Lodabar. Nothing was flourishing in Lodabar. This was life in reverse. And I know some of you in the room today, some of you online, some of you at all of our locations, you can resonate with this because you feel like you're in the pastureless place of life. Like, man, I, I didn't think or I thought at this point in my life I would be farther along in an area. Some of you feel like your marriage is pastureless today. There's no connection, there's, there's no growth. We're not growing together. Some of you feel this way about your finances or, or your family. Maybe you feel like you have a wayward child under your, your roof. You feel like your family's passionless. You feel like your career is passionless. I even think maybe some of you in 2022 or in the past years, it feels like it's been passionless for you because nothing seems to be going the way you thought it would be going. The Past few years have just consisted of loss after loss. Letdown after letdown, setback after setback. And at the end of the day, you arrive at this idea that I guess God is not working all things out for my good, therefore I should just give up. Just wanna remind someone today, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of challenge, I don't believe that's a moment for us to shrink back in our faith. I believe that's a moment for us to stand firm and hold on to God's promises. That God, if you brought me to it, I'm trusting you will bring me through it. God, I know you are faithful. I know you're a healer. I know you're a deliverer. I know you're a rock. I know you're a redeemer. God, I am trusting that you are in control. You may feel like you're stuck in the passionless place of life, but can I tell you, this is a moment for you to stand firm in your faith. The third meeting I wanna speak to today is, Loderbergh was also known as the place of no communication. The place of no communication. And I just believe when some of us experience these challenging moments in life, some of us feel like we can't talk to anyone about what we're going through. Some of us feel like we can't share with anyone what we're walking through. Some of us feel like we can't. Empath- no one can empathize with what I'm walking through. No one understands my struggle. No one understands what I'm experiencing in this moment. So what do we do? We suffer in silence. We don't get the help that we need. We stay trapped because we stay silent. And I think about a moment in my life when I was struggling in silence. I remember just being a young man in, in a new city in Miami, Florida, where I moved to go play college football. And I remember quickly after getting to college, it just felt like setback after setback. My career as a football player wasn't going the way I thought it would be going. I was battling injuries here in Tampa. My family, they were back here, and they were, my parents were going through a divorce. I remember how overwhelming it felt. On top of that, my sister, she was going through kidney failure for the second time, and I remember getting to this place saying, God, what are you doing? I remember feeling like I was, I was just suffering because of everything that I was experiencing in that moment. I didn't get the help that I needed. I just feel burdened to share with some of you today, the way for you to get unstuck, the way for you to break free of Lodabar is by crying out for help and talking to someone. But here's what I know to be true. Oftentimes silence is a symptom of shame. I don't want people to know what I'm walking through, therefore I'm gonna keep it to myself. I don't want people to know about this sin in my life. I don't want people to know about this pain in my life. I don't want people to know about my financial upsets or my financial discord. So what do I do? I stay silent and here's what I know. When we're in the midst of these moments, the enemy, he magnifies shame. And suddenly it starts to feel like shame only yells, meanwhile, hope only whispers. And at this moment, we feel like there's no way that I can get out of this place and the enemy wants you to stay right in that spot. But can I submit to you, just like Mephibosheth, You can't get yourself out of Lodabar. You need somebody to carry you out. You need to invite some people into what you're experiencing, and you need to be vulnerable. You need to share. You need to get the help that you need. That's why at all of our locations, that's why you have a campus pastor. That's why you have a care pastor. That's why we're always talking about groups. As many times as you hear it, some of you shut it out at this point. But can I tell you, that may be the lifeline for what you're experiencing. That's why we're doing this series called Discovering Grace because I believe when you find your people, it's the first step to finding your freedom. I just feel like, man, God's maybe saying, maybe you need to take that step of faith to join that group. Maybe you do need to sign up for freedom. Maybe you do need to talk to that care pastor. Maybe when we do the altar call, you need to go talk to that person on the prayer team because the first step in finding freedom is finding the people that can help you find your freedom. I want you to just understand this because... When we look at Mephibosheth, when we look at everything that he was experiencing up to this moment, it's important we understand, just like Mephibosheth, if we stay trapped in this place called Lodabar too long, it begins to shape our identity. Like, I think about Mephibosheth in this moment. Here is a man who was destined to be king at a point in time, but here he is in front of the king saying, what is your servant that you want something to do with a dead dog like me? This is my identity. This is who I am. I am nothing but a dead dog. This is who I am. And I just feel like not only does it affect our identity, I think sometimes we start to believe that's the way God sees us. Man, I find myself trapped in the place of shame. Therefore, I am ashamed. And because I am ashamed, God wants nothing to do with me. Because I am ashamed, God can't use somebody like me. I am ashamed, therefore God must not be working all things out in my life like he said he would. I just feel like some of us need to understand God sees you, he knows you, he loves you, he's after you, but he wants you to take the step to invite him in so you can break free of Lodabar. He sees you, he knows you, he loves you, he cares about you and he wants to use you. But you gotta get some people in your corner that are gonna help you break free of this place. And when we look back in this text at 2 Samuel chapter nine, verse eight, what we realize is here we have a man of shame trapped in the place of shame. Mephibosheth's name actually translated means shame. Here's this man of shame trapped in the place of shame. And we learn in 2 Samuel chapter four, verse four, what all this shame is about. It says this, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son, who was lame in both feet, he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan's death came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up, and as she fled, she hurried to leave, but he fell, and he became disabled, for his name was Mephibosheth. I don't want you to miss this. Mephibosheth, he was destined to be king, but what we learn is at the age of five, something happened to him. Some of us were trapped in Lodabar, yes, because we may have some sin in our life, maybe some decisions that we made in the past, maybe some mistakes that we've made, but maybe you're trapped in Lodabar not because of something you did, but because someone did something to you. Somebody dropped you, somebody wronged you, somebody hurt you, somebody walked out on you, somebody lied to you, and it's got you trapped in this place where I feel like I can't break free. And I just want you to understand Because like Mephibosheth, some of us are in the room today. Some of us are watching and listening to this message. And here we are, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, but we still can't break free from that thing that happened to us. We still can't forgive that person that wronged us. And here's what I know about unforgiveness. The Bible speaks all about it. Unforgiveness is robbing you of the life that God has called you to. Some of us need to understand unforgiveness, what it does, it produces a root of bitterness in our life. And when that root of bitterness takes place, when it takes hold of us, it keeps us from experiencing God's harvest for our life. And some of you today need to understand the difference between you staying trapped in Lodabar and breaking free of this place is forgiving someone. Forgiving that coach, forgiving that, maybe it's an old pastor, forgiving that colleague or that coworker, maybe forgiving your spouse, maybe forgiving your your parents. You gotta forgive that person or else you will be kept stuck in Lodobar. Just stay stuck in Lodabar. And the only way, I believe this whole message points back to this simple fact. The only way we can break free of Lodabar is by understanding grace. It's by understanding grace. I just hope you're seeing this when we talk about this story today. This is a story of grace. And in a greater sense, this is a story of the gospel that you and I are Mephibosheth. Sin has not only crippled me, but sin has killed me. And sin has left me in this paralyzed place. But there is a God in heaven who loves me so much despite what I've done, that he sent his only son to die on a cross for me so I could walk in freedom, so I could break free of Lodabar. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why we gather, this is why we worship, this is why we sing, there is a God who loves you and his grace and his mercy and his love is so rich that he wants to give you new life through his son, Jesus. So what does this mean for us as followers of Jesus? I can extend grace because I have been given grace. I can forgive others because I have been forgiven. I just believe this with my whole heart. The difference between being a hearer of God's word and doer of God's word is your ability to forgive someone. It's your ability to say, you know what? You have wronged me, but I have wronged God. Therefore, I am forgiving you just as he has forgiven me. It's forgiveness. This is a story of grace. And in 2 Samuel chapter nine, verse seven, I love how this story continues. Look at what David says. David said, don't be afraid. Mephibosheth, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. I wrote it down this way, grace, grace is kindness. Grace is kindness. I don't want you to miss this because Mephibosheth, he had King Saul's blood in his veins. And because he had King Saul's blood in his veins, Saul was the enemy of David. And by nature and by right and culturally at this time, this meant death for Mephibosheth. But instead the king says, I don't want to kill you. I want to show you kindness. I want to restore to you life. I want to bless you. I don't want to hurt you. I want to help you. I just feel like this is a picture of you and I. No matter how we look at it, the Bible tells us we all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 that sin entered the world through one man by the name of Adam. No matter how we think about it, you sin, I sin, we all have sinned. And because of that, I have Adam's blood in my veins. And because of that, that means death. But because of God is rich in love, he's rich in grace, he's rich in mercy, he says, no, that means life if you come to know my son Jesus. If you come to receive this good news, if you come to know my son for who he is, that means life. See, grace is, grace is kindness, but not only is grace kindness, grace is restoration. Grace's restoration. In verse seven, David said, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. I'll restore you, Mephibosheth. I'll restore to you everything you lost, all of the land, the whole estate, all of the wealth, all of the possessions that belonged to your grandfather Saul. I'm restoring it back to you. I just feel this is a word for someone in the room today. Everything you feel like you lost, God's God's restoring it back to you. Everything you you feel like you lost in that marriage or in that divorce, God's restoring it back to you. I believe for someone in the room, 2023, this is the year of restoration for you and your family. He's restoring your family. He's restoring your child. Don't give up, don't get weary. He's restoring your faith. He's restoring your finances. He's restoring your mind. You may have been dropped, but he's restoring your confidence. You may, heart may be broken, but he's restoring your heart. He's the God of restoration. This is who he is. Grace, grace is restoration. But I'm so moved when I think about the end of this story. Because in verse 11, the story closes out in this, in 2 Samuel chapter nine, it says, so Mephibosheth, he ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. I Just can't dodge this, I just can't move past this because to me this means grace, grace is being given a seat at the table. Grace is being given a seat at the table. See, every time I think about this verse, I'm just brought back to my childhood, where on Sundays, me and my family, we would sit around the table. And the table, it's a picture of family, where there you sit with your siblings and your father, he's he's sitting at the head of the table, and at the table, you find a sense of security. Why? Because there's provision on the table. The the father, he provides, there's provision for you on the table. But not only that, my my father, he he would bring vision to our family. He would speak to the future of our family. He would speak to who God was leading and calling us to be as a family. But for Mephibosheth, being seated at the table, it didn't just mean security. It didn't just mean provision. It didn't just mean vision. For Mephibosheth, a seat at the table, it meant a new beginning. It meant a hope for his future. I don't want you to miss this because I want you to think about this. If I'm Mephibosheth, my legs don't work. I've been paralyzed for all of these years. And every time I look at these legs, all I'm reminded of is my shame. All I'm reminded of is my pain. All I'm reminded of is that I've been trapped in loadable. I'm reminded of the people that dropped me. I'm reminded of the people that hurt me. I'm reminded of the people that walked out on me. I'm reminded of all of my mistakes. I'm reminded of my past. And how many of you realize if I'm being carried to the table, everyone around the table sees my shame. Everyone around the table sees that I've been trapped in this place called Lodabar. But can I tell you the moment that I'm seated at the table, all you can see is from the waist up. What does that mean for some of us today? For some of us that means, if the Father is seated at the table and all I can see is from the waist up, I'm no longer worried about my past. My Father, He speaks to my future. My Father, He doesn't worry about my infirmities. No, His grace covers up my infirmities. His grace covers up my mistakes. His grace covers up all of my shame. His grace covers up all of my mistakes. His grace covers up all of my hurts. His grace covers up all of my pain. Gives me a new beginning. He gives me a hope my future. I don't know what you walked onto one of our campuses with. I don't know what type of shame or what type of pain or what type of guilt you've been carrying, but here's what I know. The king does, and he's faithful. He knows exactly where you are, and he knows exactly what you need, and he wants to get you out of this place called Lodabar. but you got to be willing to receive the invitation. For some of us, this message practically looked look like, what it looks like in our life is this. Number one, maybe for you, you need to focus on forgiving that person that dropped you. If you wanna move on from Lodobar, if you wanna break free from Lodobar, maybe you need to just forgive that person that wronged you. Some of you need to make a decision. I'm not carrying that shame or that guilt or that pain or that resentment or unforgiveness into 2023. I'm leaving it here. I'm leaving it in 2022. Maybe for you in the practical sense to move on from Lodabar, maybe the simple application step for you is to maybe open up and share with some people what you're walking through, to get vulnerable with that small group in hopes that maybe some people could carry you out of this place called Lodabar. Maybe for you, you have leadership potential and God is saying, no, I want you to be the person to step up and start leading in the church to carry some people out of Lodabar. But for all of us in the room, I just believe this wholeheartedly. The practical application is to accept the invitation to have a seat at his table. See, the seat at the table, it's it's an invitation to a new life, it's an invitation to a new relationship with Jesus. It means a new beginning. So for someone maybe in the room or online or at one of our campuses today, I just believe that today is the day that you make that decision to say, the old is gone, the new is here, I'm running after you, Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all across the room, right where you are online or at one of our locations, if, if that's you and you feel this tug on your heart, I want you to know that's God tugging on your heart. And the Bible says, in Romans chapter three, verse 23, for all have sinned, and sin didn't just cripple us, sin killed us, sin separated us from God. The Bible says in Romans six twenty-three: for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The God of heaven, he he wants to show you kindness. He wants to give you the greatest gift, which is a relationship with Jesus that leads to a new beginning. See, the good news is that Jesus, he he died on a cross. He didn't just die on a cross, he died on our cross so we could be made free. So if you would just believe that truth, the Bible says that you would receive life and life more abundantly. If that's you and you're saying, I want a relationship with Jesus right where you are, I just wanna lead you in a prayer that I believe is gonna set you free of this place called Lodabar, and it's gonna give you a new beginning and a new relationship with Jesus. Right where you are, would you repeat this prayer if that's you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Would you forgive me of my sin? Lord, from this day forward, I wanna live for you. I ask for your Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. Help me, God, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, Campus Pastors, you can come on up on stage, but church, can we celebrate for all those that made that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus today? Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.